Hello friends and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans Podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. In this week's episode, we're going to be discussing code names, Baron Park, and what's that game you're trying to talk about that I'm never going to play? Loot of Lima. I was like, I haven't played it. I'm like, you're not going to. I'm just going to talk about it without you. It's a deduction game. Yeah, so you know I'm out, like completely out. And then, so in the discussion topic, we're going to talk about our pet peeves and what we hate in gaming. But before we get into anything, we kind of wanted to talk about some of the stuff that's been happening in our lives because both of us had trips recently. Uh, I went to Greece and Italy. Natasha went to uh, the UK. The UK and Scotland or Ireland? Scotland. That's part of the UK. So we kind of just wanted to talk about it and talk about our experiences a little bit because uh, we both love to travel. So we took some time. We traveled. I don't know how we got episodes out. We just did. But <laughs> anyway, so tell me tell me a little bit like highlights of your trip. So um, this was our big, it was supposed to be our big 2020 trip and it got canceled because of COVID. So we finally did it. We ended up going to um, London and then going up to Scotland and going to Glasgow and Edinburgh. And London, we stayed in the West End because we went and saw um, Back to the Future, the musical, which was so fun. Like, it was a bunch of Brits um, acting like Americans from the 80s. <clears throat> like, at one, And they were making fun of American culture. Like, like at one point, um, the sister, you know, they were in the kitchen, the kitchen scene, and she's, like, got a bag of Doritos. Like, straight out of the 80s, too. It was kind of cool. And she's like pouring ketchup in the Dorito bag. And I was like, they're making fun that's of a, us. That's a Canadian that. thing. That is not like, that is not a U.S. thing. The Canadians do that. They do that? They put ketchup on their Doritos? Yeah, they have ketchup flavored chips. Like oh. you've never seen those like Canadian flavored ketchup flavored chips or whatever. <laughs> no. And they love the salt and vinegar chips, which are gross, by the way. Are, I like those. And then the mom's like, all right, kids, here's your meatloaf. Like they're obviously making fun of us serving our family meatloaf. And I was sitting next to this guy, and I was like, okay, yes, we eat meatloaf, but we don't put ketchup on our Doritos. <laughs> but it was really, really good, and the guy who played um, Marty did a great Michael J. Fox impression. It was really good. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we were also there um, on Saturday, the day they did their big pride parade, which we didn't know was going on, and there was like a million people there. And the parade was like, started at noon, and went on forever. It was huge, and then afterwards, everyone... Just like partying in the streets. It was so fun. I was so glad I got to see that. Um, that was a lot of fun. And then we um, took the sleeper train, the Caledonia sleeper up from London to Glasgow. So instead of um, driving ourselves, which was the original plan, which would take a whole day, you get there like at 10 o'clock, you, you go into your little cabin, go to sleep and you wake up in the morning and you're there. It was really kind of fun. Well, that's pretty sweet. And then we did a bunch of food tours, which is my favorite thing about traveling is eating the food. Is eating the yeah yeah the food definitely hits different outside of the United States that is for sure. It was different. At one point in in London, like I we ordered a um a steak um pie, you know, like a savory pie, and um yep. they brought um ketchup and mayo. I had a table. I was like, "What's the ketchup and mayo for?" They're like, "I don't know, just in case you wanted it." Yeah, because you're. I don't know if it's filthy, like normal for them to eat filthy that Americans. Way. You because we're American, we need to put ketchup and mayo on all our food. But um, the food was hit or miss. I guess some places like the places that made their food fresh um, there was really, really good. And then like there was some places that, you know, you could just tell they reheated their food up. They're like part of chains and stuff. And, sure. you know, you don't know that. But once we had our tour, the food tour, they like kind of taught us what to look for. And then we ate better. <laughs> That's fair. All right, Bob. Well, tell me about your vacation. What did you do? All right. So my son and I went to... Greece and Italy and this was part of a school kind of function so it was originally set up in fall of 2020 is when we signed up for it and it was my son's art teacher was organizing it through a tour company called Education First so EF Tours so we flew to Athens we stayed in Athens we saw the we went up to the Acropolis and did the Parthenon then we traveled to and saw the Oracle of Delphi. Then we went into the Meteora area where they had those monasteries built on like cliff tops and stuff. Ooh. And the, it was like, yeah, it was really interesting to see that stuff. 
and to see what those monks were able to accomplish. After that, we ended up flying to Rome, which is funny that you brought up the sleeper train because we were actually originally supposed to take an overnight ferry from Mm -hmm. Greece into Italy, but because of staffing issues and stuff, that ended up getting canceled, so we ended up taking a flight to Rome. Drove up, spent uh, spent some time in Florence, then came back, finished up with Rome, and then we came back. Which, the time of this recording, like, I am just back. Like, I got back, like, two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was uh, it was definitely a fun trip. It was one of those things that it was awesome to be able to take my son to experience all that, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, there were just so many cool things. The food was amazing in both places. Pizza in Italy is... A completely different level. Don't ask for ranch. I don't know if no. people like if our friends in the Midwest know about the ranch and the pizza. You don't do that over there. Uh, <laughs> if, funny enough, I do not. I'm not a fan of feta cheese normally. I just don't mm-hmm. like it in the states. But feta cheese in Greece, I they do something completely different. I don't even know what they do, but it was delicious over there. Mm, I bet. But yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, we saw a lot of cool stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, a bunch of ruins, relics, being able to go to Florence, the birth of the Renaissance, and just seeing all the architecture. There was uh, some construction going on in Florence, but what they do is they put up these drapes, I guess is the best way to describe it, over the area that they're working on. And it's like almost a print version of what the building <laughs> looks like. So technically, like I've I've been I took a couple pictures where I didn't realize it was a canvas and or a curtain until I started looking at it because <laughs> I guess like so many people want to go to Florence and experience it that they do that so that it doesn't like ruin people's experiences there. It's it's it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds cool. I'm glad you had a good time. Man, tell you what, you people need to check out Greece and Italy. That that was pretty awesome. So. Much better than a UK trip, that's for sure. I mean, granted, I didn't see Back to the Future, the musical, mm-hmm. but that's <laughs> well, it is coming it's to on New my York. list. I think 2024, it's coming to New York, so, you know, you'll be able to see it. Yeah, it's I'm not traveling day. to New York for that. Come on now. It's got to become. Ah, man, would I? Maybe. I probably would. I think I would. It's if it fun. was Chicago, based on where we live in Michigan, because we live in Michigan, we're in the Grand Rapids area, and... Going to Chicago, it's like three hours. I'd rather go to Chicago. Well, yeah, but it, it starts in New York, and then you have to wait for the travel traveling group to come to Chicago. Is it technically an off-Broadway show, or is it an on-Broadway show? Um, It's London Broadway, so I guess it's not on Broadway yet. So it's off-Broadway, but is it going to Broadway in... Yeah, it'll be in Broadway. Yep, New York. I think, I, I, I think so. I'm not sure, actually. Well, I assume so. Vast array of knowledge on this. I appreciate that. Yep. <laughs> So that so yeah, we just wanted to quick kind of just talk about the the trips we took. It's I don't know, I really enjoy traveling, so it was it was fun to be able to take that, especially experience it all with my son as part of his like group of kids from school. It was it was definitely a good time seeing being able to experience that. So but yeah. this is a board game podcast. This is not a travel podcast. So we gotta talk <laughs> about some board games. Natasha, right. did you play anything? at all while you were on vacation no or when you got nothing back. i did try to go to a few board gaming stores because i wanted to look for some things that weren't out in the um u.s yet but i didn't have good luck there was the ones i went to just weren't very big so they, they were sold out of some of the ones i was looking for but i've played nothing this whole month it's been awful well but, barely so, anything yeah barely anything yes yeah. but so i wanted to talk to talk about one of my favorite games and that's code names so Codenames is a word game. It's designed by Vlada Shavalta, published by Czech Games Edition. In this game, players are trying to find their team's secret agent, and the team that successfully finds all their agents first without running into the assassin wins the game. The players are divided into two teams, a red and a blue. Each team has a team leader. The leader gets to see where all the agents and the assassin is on the board. The board is made up of five rows of five cards each. Each card has one word in it. I think they're all nouns, you know, so it could be people, place, thing. Um, the team leader is giving their team clues to try to guess, try to get their team to guess as many of the words as they can each turn. The trick is that the clue can only be one word and one number. The number is how many cards are related to that one word clue. So, for example, let's say I have a word, 
I have the word green and I have the word flower, right? I might say stem because stems are green and their you know, stems are on flowers. And so then the team tries to guess that. And then they might see another word on the board, like maybe they see the word wine and they're like, oh, you know, wine glasses have stems on them. That could be the word. And then they try to like guess it out. And you're kind of sitting there as the team leader, sweating it out, trying not, trying to hope that they don't guess the wrong word. There's no minimum number of cards you have to combine your clues. You can give your teammates a really obvious clue so that they can easily figure it out, but only for the one word. But if you want to win, you have to at least figure out something that these words have in common. But then you also have to consider the other words on the board that you don't want your team to guess. One of the words is the assassin. If your team guesses that, you immediately lose. If you guess one of your teammates' words, then your turn ends and you just gave them a word that they don't have to figure out anymore. If you guess a word that neither that's neither a red or a blue word or the assassin, then you, your turn is also up as well. What makes this game so fun is starting staring at the cards thinking, how am I going to relate any of these words together? And finally coming up with something and hoping and praying your teammates can pick up what you're laying down. And when you do that, it's so satisfying. Pick up what you're laying down. Mopping mm. up what you're spilling. <laughs> <laughs> it, this game is it's an older party game. And at this point, it's it feels like a staple, honestly, mm-hmm. in the board gaming community. But it's still to this day, it is one of those games that I'll still break out and play mm-hmm. because it works well for for new players existing players it has that ability to make you you know feel smart in a way when you are able to creatively come up with one word and then you know it it can attach itself to three words you know Mm -hmm. and just that whole ability and the fact that there's this assassin card that can completely end the game for you adds this just this little bit of tension sometimes you'll be trying to come up with a word and you'll be staring at your words but not that word and then you'll say the word and the number and you're like yeah I got this and then you look down and you're like oh man that is so close to that assassin word it, <laughs> I hope to I hope they just don't guess that particular word right yeah it's, it's it can be really stressful in this game you need at least four because you need a team leader for each team but I think it plays best at six because it's really good when you can have two people both trying to work together to get clues because then you can kind of bounce ideas off of each other. Um, but it can play up however many you want because you, you just divide people up into teams. It can be odd numbers. That's fine. Uh, what I like about this game is you can start this game. So we played it one year when we were camping all weekend and we had it going literally the entire weekend and people would sit down and start playing and then they would get up and leave in like the middle of the game. Other people would start showing up and playing. So it was just this game you can just kind of casually you know, start and stop and come and go and and it doesn't really matter how many people play. It's just fun. You can kind of join the middle of the game. I think one of the more interesting experiences I had with this game too was we had uh, a a get-together that we refer to as Cabin Con Mm -hmm. within our area with a bunch of people that we play games with and we played uh, code games, I guess is the best (laughs) way to describe it. So we took I mean, there was eight million yeah. board games at this like, board games ca- instead this of cabin. cards. And then so you we set up all the board games out on the on the floor, and there was you know it was you and I think our friend Tom was on the other team. You two were the ones like giving us the clues, uh-huh. and then there was two two teams of threes trying to guess, and it was just so much fun because now it adds that it's almost like when Codename Pictures came out, it added this different flavor. Because mm-hmm. now you have all the, so you could even say a mechanic. So you could say, you know, um, tiling five, you know, whatever that mm-hmm. that kind of thing. It just added this additional dynamic, which I thought was just really interesting and fun, and it was just such a cool experience. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. If you only play games two player, I highly recommend Codenames Duet. It's the same game where you're trying to um, give your opponent clues and then trying to guess the word. Except for you can play two player and your clue card that you have that can, or the decoder, I guess, the one that tells you where all the words are, is back to back. So your opponent sees one side and you see the other side and you each have your own words and you each, there's like three different assassins. And um, so you work together to try to clear it up. And I play that way with my daughter a lot. And that's a lot of fun. Yeah, I have yet to try Codenames Duet. I have both of them and I put all of them into one box. So I have just a ton of cards. And you can play them with a group of people. You can play Codenames Duet, two teams. 
Oh, and that's kind of okay. nice. That's fun because then you don't have one person. Like if you have if you have somebody in your group that likes code names, but they don't like being the clue giver because there's too much pressure. And they're just not very good at coming up with those clues. You work together. You can come up with clues together. You know, to try to get your opponents to you're not they wouldn't be opponents, your teammates on the other side to guess. So I'm definitely not the clue giver. That's like that is not in my wheelhouse, I feel like. <laughs> I'm I'm more of the let me guess which like what you're trying to come up with. Uh huh. You have to be okay with really stretching it. Like most of the time your words are not gonna line up where they make a lot of sense and they connect. You've gotta like stretch your thinking. And when you can stretch it and the other person just gets what you're going for because it's the only possible way that those two words can relate. They and they pick it up and get it and it's it's so fun. It's one of those things that especially when you know your friends and they'll make give you a clue and other people are gonna say, well it's probably this and you look at them, no, that's not the that's not the way Natasha thinks. It's yes. more than likely this is what she's referring to. It's not mm-hmm. that as much as it seems like that. This game gets better and better the more you play as a group and you get to know each other and you've got all these metas and stuff and you know what people know. Like, you know, if you give me some kind of like reference to pop culture, like I'm not going to get it. It's just not going to happen. You know, you've got to come up with something else. You get, yeah, not definitely. Do musicals. Musicals would be a know better musicals. way. <laughs> yeah, not pop culture. Have you ever played any of the codename IPs like Disney, um, Harry Potter, any of those ones? No, and it's I They're not they're not very good. I don't recommend them. Oh, because, really? Yeah. Um and I've only played the Disney one, I think, because everything already relates to each other within those clues. So you now you've got like Oh, you're like, "Oh, I got two princesses." Oh, wait, there's five princesses on the board. That's not helpful. They're just too much related. Like the regular um base edition is just a bunch of random words. You know, or these the IPs, they're too close together. So it's really, really hard. It's not near as fun. I don't recommend those. Yeah, fair enough. I, I haven't tried any of them. I've just done the I've done the regular code names. I've done pictures. I've played the code code games version that we've done. I've had people do uh like the Dixit or Mysterium cards with it. So mm. code code names pictures, but with that, that makes it it's hard to that because those drawings are so completely random. That mm-hmm. it, and there's a lot on each card that you yes. can relate so much, I think. Yeah. One of the things I want to bring up, which I think is underappreciated in, in the game, is those word cards are double-sided. So as soon as you finish playing, all you have to do is take the cards and flip them over, and mm-hmm. you have a brand new set of words already on the table. So it it in some ways encourages you to play an additional round of it. Yeah. Which I think is because they could have just as easily doubled the amount of cards or less or whatever and had them have a specific back so you flipped them over and you that's the way that's the way you claim those words that kind of thing mm-hmm. but they specifically put words on either yeah. side to make it just that much easier i love this game i've had really really good luck teaching this game like people tend to love it and they'll play it over and over again the only time that i haven't had success is somebody um that english isn't their first language so um, they're not going to get a lot of the, the, the you know, like the, the pop culture references maybe or just the way that the, the words kind of interact with each other. Like it's not quite so obvious. They're not going to quite know that. that. That's the only time I say this game struggles a little bit. You'd want, you want to play with people that all have that same um, language experience and background. That's fair. What would you rate it? I rate this game a 10 out of 10. Dang, I ten love out of 10. it. It's one of my favorite games. It's probably in my top ten. Is it? Is it on your shelf? Do you have how many copies do you have on your shelf? Just the code names and code names I have duet. Code names and code names duet. That's it. I have okay. them combined in the one box. I certainly enjoy this game. Not a. It's not a ten out of ten for me, but I'm definitely going to give it a nine out of ten. No, I'm going to give it an eight out of ten. What? It. Yeah. It. Um. I think part of it is because I'm such a terrible clue giver. You know. I. I'm always like. Uh green too you know where my counterpart clue giver is always water seven and I'm, <laughs> I, you know what i i maybe i'm just dumb i don't know but it just doesn't it just doesn't click for me 
<laughs> so that's where I, like I said, I'm much, be- I'm much better at reading the room and understanding what people are trying to in- in- say with the- what those words are. I think that has to do with like your, um, like your perfectionist personality. Like things need to be perfect. They can't be like a little off. You know what I mean? You're like, I'm, cur- I'm incredibly detail oriented. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think neurotic. I was going to say that, but yeah. (laughs) I've been called a lot of things, and neurotic's probably one of the better ones that I've been called. (laughs) Yeah, I love this game. I I think it's a staple that um, really everybody should own and play. It's so fun, and that is Codenames, or Codenames Duet. Uh, They're both equally as good. All right, next up, I want to talk about Baron Park. This is a tile lane game designed by Phil Walker Harding. Art by Clemens Franz, Natasha's favorite, published by Lookout <laughs> Games. Is this? I actually really like the artwork in this game. So it's not it's not necessarily Clemens Franz that you don't like. It's just the type of the artwork style he puts in of some artwork. Yeah. He puts, uh, yeah, it's that. Yeah, it's. I think yeah. he's a great artist. Obviously, he's good. But yeah, but I like the artwork in this game. It's really good. So in this game, players are competing to build the best bear park. They're going to be doing this by placing tiles onto a 4x4 grid, covering up various icons that give them additional tiles. Baron Park is played over an undetermined amount of rounds. The game ends after a player covers up their fourth 4x4 grid. On your turn, you're going to perform three steps. The first is to place a tile from your personal supply, which you start the game with one tile, onto your grid. Next, you will look at the icons you cover up with that tile and carry out those icons in any order you choose. So there are four icons. The first is a green wheelbarrow, which gives players one of the four basic game tiles. There is a white cement truck, which gives them an animal house. And then there's an orange excavator, which gives them an enclosure. And each one of them progressively covers up more spaces. And finally, there's going to be a construction crew, which allows players to add an additional 4x4 grid to their existing grid because you only start the game with one grid. And the last step is to place a bear statue. If you've completed one of your grids, you're going to place it into an open spot that you cannot build on. Points are awarded based on the tiles and bear statues you place, and they also score in a descending order. So being the first to place something or complete a grid gets you more points. There are also some objective cards that you can play with that can vary from game to game. And then once a player has completed their park, The other players get one final turn, and whoever has the most points wins. I think what makes this game great is the simple, quick gameplay. Turns, generally speaking, are pretty quick, and you can also teach this game fairly fast, I would say. I agree. It's it's easy to learn, quick to play. Um, It's a great game um, for, I think it belongs on the shelves of Target. But I'm here, I'm looking at the cover again, and now that you say... I can totally see Clemens Franz. I like the artwork in the game, but God, the cover is just It's ugly. good. I like the cover. No, it's ugly. It doesn't look like a fun game. That's the problem. It's not going to sell out at Target. It looks like, a, I don't know, it looks like a dull Euro game on the cover. But the, the artwork on the inside, it's great. I, you don't like this game, do you? You don't. You, you don't like this game at all, do you? I, I don't dislike it. The game is fine. I think this game... Like, compared to what else you could buy at Target, this is one of the better games, right? Like, if somebody who didn't play a lot of board games picked this up, they would be able to start playing it and teaching it pretty easily. It's great, and I think it definitely has a place in the world. For me, the choices are just not interesting. It's just a tiling, polyamino game, and that's it. I don't really get what's interesting about it, and I... Yeah, people love it, though. So, I mean, take my opinion with a grain of salt. Everyone else seems to love it. Yeah, she's wrong. It's a good game. I think what is good about this game, specifically with any sort of, like, Phil Walker Harding game, is he typically designs games that have streamlined gameplay and play quickly. So a Mm -hmm. game like Baron Park, you know, I think the box said 30 to 45 minutes, and that's pretty legit. You can get through a game of this pretty fast. So it's one of those games that sits in more of that like filler area, which is not people use filler as a negative connotation. I'm not. I don't I don't I like filler games just as much as you know, heavy euro games. And I think it mm-hmm. sits in that little bubble where 
you can play it two, three, four times easily and get a decent amount of gameplay. And then you can kind of set it off to the side and then play something a little bit more crunchy. I think the decisions are enough. When I'm playing this game, I'm not like burning my brain, but I'm able to still be able to complete a puzzle, putting, you know, doing my little Tetris thing on my, on my board and still engage with the other people, you know, around the table. So it's definitely not a Euro game where I'm sitting there and nobody's talking. You know, everyone seems to be, you know, enjoying their experience. Yeah, it's the game's fine. Like I can't there's nothing wrong with it. It's a great polyomino game with no twist to it. It's just straight pick up pick a tile, lay it down on your board. Oop, you covered something cool up, you get an extra tile or another way, another board. Like it's fine. I just for me it's it's of all the polyomino games, this one is just the most least interesting. Is this more or less interesting than a game like Patchwork? I like Patchwork better. I think Patrick has some more decisions like, ooh, time. Do I take this piece that I don't really want, but it's less time, or this really great piece? Ooh, but if I take the last one, maybe I can then be back further in line. I'll get to take another turn, so that's good. I think there's just more interesting choices. This, I just, I mean, I just don't feel like the choices are interesting. I can take this tile or this tile. Which one doesn't really matter which one I take? But it does matter which one you take. I mean, why, though? I mean, the one that fits in your grid the best, that's it. Because you have a small grid, so you are limited to where you can place it, you know. But still, there's there's which ones do you want to take based on the points, and they're going to be different shapes. You know, same thing with those. Uh, for example, the enclosures, there's only one of each type of enclosure. So you almost want to make sure and those are the more creative, we'll say tiles the way they they look there's going to be like a cross and there's going to be they're going to cover a much larger area but they're going to be more uniquely shaped and mm-hmm. there's only one of each of those so trying to make sure you snag the one that you want or even with the animal houses they are in descending order so the top one's worth the most points so if all of a sudden two of the good tile are taken maybe you take a different one i think there's an i think there's enough decisions I'm not saying it's a heavy game by any means, but I think there's there's definitely things you need to think about on your turn. Yeah, I think the game is fine. I think it's a great game. I think a lot of non-board gamers can totally enjoy this game. I don't know why I would ever choose to play this game over just about any other polyamino game, but I think I'm in the minority here. I think a lot of people love it that because it's so simple. It's 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 still it's fun to play, satisfying. It's it's right up there with a game like Century, Spice Road, Splendor, yeah. uh, you know, those types of just quick, streamlined gameplay. That's the best way I can describe it is streamlined gameplay. It's fast. Mm-hmm. You take a tile, you place it, you do your thing. Next. Okay, you just keep going. You know, Super you have simple those. to teach. You, you know, you don't yeah. have a lot of rules, like especially, you know, kind of ridiculous rules that you just don't remember about. That's nice about this game. Most people can get it pretty quick. There's the objective cards that will add a little bit of variability. It allows you to do some interesting things that way. So, yeah, I don't know. I like this game. I am curious, since you don't like it, what's your rating? I would rate it a 6 out of 10. That's not bad. I'll take a yeah, 6. It's not, it's not a bad game. I, I, If somebody brought it and wanted to play it, I'd totally play it. I just don't think it's exciting. You wouldn't just watch TikToks on your phone? No, I would still play this over playing nothing. <laughs> this is better than Monopoly, you know. Yeah, that's well, there's a lot of things better than Monopoly. Um, so I'm giving this actually a seven. I like it. I think it's a good game. I think it's it works well for newer players. I think if you like tile lane games, this one you should definitely give a shot to. It's uh it's a Phil Walker Harding game. He always, like I said, always does those streamlined gameplay. So definitely check it out. That is Baron Park. Next up, I want to talk about Loot of Lima. This is a deduction style game. It's designed by Larry Levy. Art is by Anka Gavril and Daniel Profiri. Published by BoardGameTables.com. In this game, players are trying to find the two locations of the hidden treasure. First player to guess correctly wins the game. Each player gets an identical map with the 24 locations on it. Then depending on the number of players, each player draws out a set number of these location tiles that they place on their hidden map. The goal is similar to Clue. Try to figure out those two locations that are left in the draw bag that nobody has. So the way you deduce is really kind of interesting. There are three different types of locations. So there's the sand, 
then the forest, and then the mountain. And the board is also divided by um, north, south, east, and west. And then there's a northeast, northwest, southeast, and southwest. On your turn, you roll three dice and choose two to use. Each face has a terrain type and a direction on it. And you use those two dice to ask other other people how many locations they have within that region. If the terrain on both dice are the same, you can ask how many of that terrain they have within the location, which is really helpful because it's more specific. So let's say I have a um, north and an east die, and they're both forests. So then I can say, how many forest tiles do you have within the north to east range? Or you can say, how many forest tiles do you have from east to north? So you can do like a really small section or a really big section. And it's kind of nice, the board, the game comes with a board in the middle of the table so that these little arrows that you can kind of you map out, so okay, I'm going north to east, so that's this this region of the pie, right? Or I'm going east to north, so it's the big region of the pie. And the map really helps you um, see, like visualize where you're looking, so then you can use that on your personal board so you don't get the directions mixed up, which is really helpful. So if they're the same, you can pick that specific location, but if they're different, then, then you ask the player how many locations they have within that region, but you can't be specific to the lo- the terrain type. So if you did that, you'd probably want to choose like north to east opposed to east to north, which is a bigger region, right? So what makes this game so fun is you start off getting this information that feels totally useless. But as the game goes on, all of a sudden the information kind of starts to click and you're like, oh, wait, that means that you can't have this tile, which means that you don't have, you know, you just kind of start deducing all this stuff. And that's really what the the fun comes in. Yeah, I mean... I can, sure. It'll be, yep, yep. It's just straight deduction. As soon as you said it starts like clicking in my head, I was like, nope, not prob- not probably not for me. <laughs> I need to play more of these. I need to learn to get good at deduction style games. It's They're not like, uh, I just, I'm so terrible at them. I'm just so terrible at them. I won a game of 13 clues, I don't know, a few months ago, and I'm like, I'm done. I'm done doing deduction style games. <laughs> I I'm going out they, on top, baby. The deduction style is hard. I think it's hard to come up with a really good that's not like based on a lot of luck. So this game, you're rolling these dice and you're really limited based on the die roll of what you can ask. Early on, it doesn't matter. It doesn't feel limiting. But eventually, you're going to get to the point where you're like, you really need to know specific information. You're relying on this dice roll. They do have tokens that you can spend once per game that one of them allows you to just pick whatever you want. There's just a few different choices you've got in there. So that helps with it. but I think a lot of the games, deduction style games, you know, even awkward guests, there's a lot of luck in the way what you end up getting and how quickly you get that information. And I feel like they kind of come down to that and not the best deducer, you know? Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I think that's just a, a hard thing with um, these style games. I think Cryptid does the best job of there's no luck. Like everybody gets the same information and you it's just straight deduction. You got to be the first to figure it out. And then that's really skill-based, and I think you just get better at it with time figuring that out. I think Cryptid's probably the best. The rest of them are a lot of luck-based. Yeah, this one's no different. If that bugs you about deduction games, that's, this one you know, might kind of bug you too. Uh, I like this. This is in a um, board game. This is made by BoardGameTables.com. It's like their bigger box. You know, It's the same size, but it's a little deeper. Um, it's a lot within that small box. I think it's you get a lot of value out of that. A smaller game, which is really nice. It's really well produced. I think the dice are really nice. I think the boards are really nice quality. I really like those arrows that come on the center board that uh, helps you visualize what you're looking for. I think overall, it's a really well-made game. I would rate it an 8 out of 10. If you're looking for a deduction style game, I recommend this, especially if you're looking for something with a smaller footprint. It's kind of a smaller game, but still well-produced and still a good hour-long meteor game so that is loot of lima all right that's going to wrap up the games we've been playing this week it's a little on the light side but i mean we did have some vacations and we had some things we were doing but we are going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to talk about our board gaming pet peeves we are back and it is time to discuss our pet peeves in board gaming. <laughs> I think got a nice it, long it, list. 
I don't have a long whatever. You have a list too. Don't 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 yeah, come at me like that. Long as yours. I think it's gonna ch- it's gonna vary. It's gonna be interesting because we were originally gonna do a top ten, right? Mm-hmm. And we had kind of talked about it, and we're gonna have some similar ones and ones that we completely disagree on. Mm-hmm. So we kind of came up with a list, and we're just gonna kind of go through them and give a rating of how pet peevey it is of ours, I guess. You know, yeah, how yeah, much yeah. we hate it. Like a scale of one to ten. Like one being the least annoying and ten being the most annoying. Yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna kind of go through them, and yeah, hopefully we have a a good little chit chat about it. So <laughs> yeah, so we're just gonna go ahead and kind of get into it, and uh, not paying attention when it's not your turn. Yes. Okay, so this one you wrote. So mm-hmm. explain this. That annoys me. Like I would rate this a nine out of ten because. You need to be engaged throughout the entire game. If you're not paying attention when it's not your turn, then you're not thinking about your next turn. You don't notice what other people are doing. So when it is your turn, it's a surprise. Or, ah, what's going on? I don't know. I haven't yeah. been paying attention this whole time. And it's your responsibility to take your turn on your turn, right? People don't need to go, all right, Bob, it's your turn now. Like that, you know, if you don't know that it's your turn, then you're not paying attention. So not paying attention on other people's turns is a pet peeve of mine. Yeah, it's kind of up. It's up there for me. I don't think it's as bad as like some of the other ones. I would give this one uh, six and a half. I would say it's kind oh, really? of annoying. Uh, yeah, a lot. Of, it's not that big of a deal for me. It is, but it isn't. I normally I'm just like, hey, it's your turn. My favorite best games that I play are ones where the players are like immediately taking their turn, immediately taking their turn. Nobody has to monitor the table. You know, if I spend the whole game like, all right, you're you're up. All right, you're up. All right, you're up. One, I'm being annoying. Like nobody wants to listen to me say that at hard times. You know, it's just annoying. Well, you're like, annoying anyway. Pay, yeah. that. But there's <laughs> one less, one more thing that I have to do that's annoying. So pay attention, even when it's not your turn. So you know what's going on. You're th- you're constantly thinking about your next turn, and as soon as it becomes your turn, you're ready to go. There you go. Pay attention. Ooh, I, guess. Oh, I just thought about what I'm adding to this list. And go ahead. What do you got? Not making it clear when your turn is over. So it's hard, you know, I want people to take their turn immediately, (laughs) but if nobody knows that your turn is over, then how are they supposed to know? So Bob, Bob says this thing. He always says turn complete and I (laughs) love it and I have adapted it and now I use it whenever my turn is over. I always say turn complete. It makes it really clear to the next person. It's their turn because sometimes, you know, you're staring at the board and they're thinking you're still taking your turn, you know, so they're waiting on you. And all of a sudden, everyone's like, whose turn is it? Oh, nope, hey, turn complete. Clearly ending your turn. You don't have to say turn complete. You can say, oh, I'm all set. However you want to do it, clearly end your turn. Um, it's not a huge annoyance to me, but it is something that when people do it, I really, really appreciate it. So I would say annoying rating, like maybe five out of ten if you don't, if it's, you know, nobody can tell when your turn's over because you're still... I don't know, giving off clues that it's your, you're still taking your turn, you know? Yeah, I would say for me, that's probably annoying level of a four out of 10. Mm-hmm. And I honestly cannot take credit for turn complete. That is not my thing. I adopted it actually from a friend of mine, Jana. We were playing a game and that's what she does, turn complete. And it just, I loved it. So I just started using it and I'm glad mm-hmm. it's branching, making its way out. So yes, turn complete. I, I, love it. I love it. If you don't currently do that, I highly recommend it. Every time you're done with your turn, turn complete. Moves it along. Love it. Uh, all right. Next up, too long of a rules teach. Oh, 10 out of 10. Annoying. <laughs> okay. If people are like, looking at long? you engaged, more than five minutes. No rule teach should be more than five minutes long. Hmm. I, that's, a hard, I that's a hard rule for me. Is it legit 10 out of 10 for you? Do you hate long's rule, long I mean, rules teach that I much? I can't listen. Like, if you're going into that much detail, like, I just don't have a way to put it in my brain. Therefore, I'm no longer, it's no, it's not doing you any good. You're literally talking to, like, nobody. Maybe, maybe you're talking to other people at the table that can listen to you. But See, that's the I point, just, is you think it's all about, it's all about your learning experience and not everyone else's. That's your problem, is you're not considering the person that does want to hear all the rules first. Oh, I'm considering them. I'm no, I'm the first one to start zoning out, but I'm not the only one. 
Now, no, you can definitely and tell. And if everybody else about, is yeah. fully engaged with your real teach and I'm the only one who's checked out, fine, that's on me. But when everybody is not, no longer listening, they're not looking at the game, the table, they're looking off, they're grabbing some snacks, your rules teach is too long. Yeah, there's a there's a certain tolerance level that you have to kind of like cram all your stuff into. You have a certain amount of time. I don't I length of rule teach doesn't it's doesn't it's not really a big pet peeve of mine. So I'm going to probably give that one a 2 out of 10 just because there are times where people take too long teaching mm-hmm. and it's more people who will read the rule book, but people who are good at teaching games Generally speaking, that they give me enough time based on how difficult the game is to play, if that makes sense. So, but if a person's just like reading me a rule book or whatever, yeah, that's I'm out. See ya. you like a comprehensive rule teach, so this doesn't really bother you. No, it doesn't, not necessarily. But the next one I want to bring up is not paying attention during a rules teach. For me, this is a huge pet peeve of mine, and that one I would give like an like an eight or a nine out of 10 on my like pet peeve rating. Mm-hmm. I, oh, it drives me nuts when people just, they'll start talking to somebody else and then let, like they're not paying attention. And then they ask me a, a ridiculous amount of questions during the game. It drives me insane. As long as your name is not Natasha, you should listen to the rules. <laughs> I've come to terms with the fact that she's not going to listen, but I also know she's not going to ask 60 million questions throughout the course of the game. It'll probably be like her first turn. So what are the two things I can do? Okay, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get mad that I didn't know something. I think that's the difference. And I think for you specifically, what I've noticed is you pay attention to what other people are doing, and then you'll learn the game based on us doing something. So you'll do this move, and then you'll see Jeremy do this move, Chris do this move, you know, Cindy do this move and me do that one. And you're going to be like, okay, those are how all those things play in together. Mm -hmm. So you get your teach through that. But Mm -hmm. people who just like you're sitting down to teach a game and they start, you know, bringing out their phone or start talking to somebody and it's literally just the start of it. Oh, have some respect for the person teaching the game, people. Yeah, I have a a high tolerance for that because I know that not everybody can learn by a rules teach. I just don't learn that way, and so some other people don't either. So if they're not listening, then um, maybe they just can't learn that way. They just need to learn by playing. And I don't mind that. The only reason why it would make me frustrated is if then later throughout the game, they're like, oh, you didn't tell me that. And everyone's like, yeah, we did. You just didn't hear them. Like, that's annoying. Like, you don't get to complain that nobody told you that. Because one, even if they didn't tell you that, so what? You're learning the game. Now you know. Don't don't get upset, you know, or two, you they did tell you that you just weren't listening or you were listening, but you just couldn't file it all in your brain, which is totally fine. It's the it's the getting upset about it that bothers me. You couldn't spend the whole time. I'm teaching not listening to me, but, you know, you're as long as you don't complain about it later. That yeah, agreed. All right. Next up, let's do I think you and I are both going to agree on this one. So let's just get this one out of the way. Slow player turns. 10 out of 10. Uh, Worst ever. Just take your turn. Take your turn. Just take your turn. Uh, for me, it's a nine. It doesn't quite breach 10. It's uh, it's it's not, It would not be my number one. It's probably my number two. It drives me insane. And the thing is, there's like a, there's a grace period. I give everyone, like everyone has a grace period. Like I'm not talking lightning fast. You don't need to be doing lightning fast turns, but you need to, you know, take turns within a reasonable amount of time. If we're doing a you know super deep Euro game, whatever, no big deal. Take your time. I understand. Like making a decision. If you have twelve turns in a four hour long game, you need to under you need to make a good decision. I get that, but it kind of goes back to the not paying attention other, and it comes to you, and then you're like, oh, okay. Well, let me do six million equations in my head real quick to see if I can squeeze out one additional point by doing this route. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that, I'm not cool with. Just you know, especially on like simple games. Like, if you're taking too long for, like, Splendor or, like, Sentry, like, no, no. Just take your turn. Just mm-hmm. just, 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 take your turn. There are some games where you need to pause and think about it. Codenames is a great one. Like, I understand, like, you're going to take, like, three, four minutes staring at the board coming up with a turn. That That's fine. Like, that's the style of game it is. But 
you need to be fully engaged the whole time. If you spent no time during the opponent's turn thinking about what to do, that's on you. You know, use your available time. Think about it. And also, like, you don't need to have the best optimal turn. Like, you can just do anything. Like, that's fine. You know, you'll get better as you play more. Okay. Uh, so let's discuss. Let's discuss sleeves for real quick, shall we? <laughs> okay, I wouldn't say ten out of ten annoying. You want to know what my pet peeve rating is on sleeves? Negative ten. I love them. Sleeve everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I wouldn't say like they're ten out of ten. Like they don't ruin a game, but they certainly can. Like there's some cheap sleeves that are terrible. I hate sleeves. I would say like eight out of ten. Annoying. I hate shuffling with sleeves. I hate the feel of sleeved cards. I hate how they add volume to the deck. I hate how they don't wear out the cards. I love worn out cards. It's just uh, a sign just of a well-loved game. I don't know. Sleeves don't bother me in the slightest. This would ne- this, I wouldn't even consider this as part of my list if a pet peeve <laughs> is sleeves. I would like, rather no have. Way. It would never even come up for me. I would rather have a really worn out deck of cards than a pristine deck. I mean, I guess. I don't know. It just it I I I don't sleeve every game, but I do sleeve games. So you know, whatever, sleeve a game, cool, whatever. I don't mind sleeve don't. cards, but I also like I I've play I like play Magic. I mean, those are sleeved, so it is what it is. Those are double sleeved. You'd really hate those. I double sleeve my decks in those ones. So my my uh, MTG yeah. players are gonna know what I'm talking about when I say double sleeving. You don't. You're not about that life, so it's all good. No worries. Nope. Okay. So I want to bring up complaining about the game, but I want to com- I want to bring up two separate versions of this. Complaining about the game during the game. Yeah, I think it's rude to complain about a game during a game unless like everybody's complaining. But if somebody enjoys the game, it it kind of makes them feel like shit if you're complaining about the game. So just wait, at least wait till the game's done. Yeah, it just doesn't feel good if you're enjoying your experience and somebody keeps complaining about the game and how it's not this or it's not that it's you know oh i can't believe that this thing is broken and blah 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 like it just sours the experience for the other players mm-hmm. it's okay not to like a game but careful when you're complaining about it just be careful that you're not yucking somebody's yum you know wait till it's done you know and then when you do complain about it you know, you can you can you can definitely critique a game. That's fine, but make sure it's done in a positive way. That you're not making the person who is enjoying the game feel like they put you put you through the ringer by making them play, making you play with them. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm, before we give our like annoying our pet peeve rating on this, the next one I bring up is complaining when the game is done. Specifically, like, man, if I would have done this move, things would like the it would be different. And mm-hmm. it, more specifically, it's when a person complains when they've lost. And I brought this up before when it just, it like you said, like yucks your yum where let's say I played really well and I won and all of a sudden just like somebody's like, well, if I would have done this. So basically you just told me you let me win by doing that. Mm-hmm. It takes mm-hmm. away from the fact that I was able to you know win the game and that drives me insane that would be a nine for me and as far as like the you know complaining in the game that one i'm gonna give like a seven because it's a it's annoying but i'm also like a father so i have the ability to like tune out out. i can just like shut it down like if a voice will just like not even penetrate my eardrums it'll just like kind of go off into the ether so i take it kind of personally when people complain about games especially if i've suggested it like i i feel like i ruined their evening by making them play a game they didn't like so to me complaining about a game in the middle of the game is like nine out of ten it bothers me you know and it bothers me like it makes me feel bad that i'm ruining their fun you know so i don't like that as far as complaining about the way that they played after a game i would say like that doesn't bother me at all like zero out of ten like I feel like they're like recapping like thinking about the game thinking about how they do things differently that doesn't bother me. And I kind of enjoyed doing that recap. Like, oh, yeah, if I hadn't done this, I would have, I could have totally won. Or I would have done this. I should have done this differently. Because that's how you learn. And, and you always try to, you always do that at the end of the game. Think about how, what you could have done differently. So that doesn't bother me in the least. Well, that in itself, 
I don't necessarily care about. Like if we want to discuss the gameplay and the decisions we made and how it led us down these paths and stuff, fine. I'm cool with that. We can talk about how, you know, different strategies panned out. Oh, I, you know, maybe I shouldn't have gone all in on this particular strategy. Maybe I could have scored more points if I diversified a little bit. That I'm fine with. I'm completely cool with that. It's when somebody is along the line goes, you know, they count up the points and they're just like, well, if I would have done this one thing on my one turn, I mean, I would have won. Yeah. Yeah. It's the one little jab. Yeah. It's that little thing where, yeah, you won, but. Only because I screwed up. Yeah. I kind of gave it to you. Enjoy this win. Next time I won't do that, you know. Mm -hmm. But if we're going to reflect on the gameplay and the strategies, and we'll often do that in our group where we'll get done with a game. And we'll just talk about it. Golem is the last one I can specifically think of. We got done playing a game of that. Uh-huh. It was all of our first turns playing. Yep. And we sat down and we just discussed it. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about what roads we went down there because there's a variety of things to like do in that game. And we all kind of took our own little route where some people, you know, diversified, some people focused on stuff. So we all kind of talked about it. That I enjoy actually. That is one of those Mm -hmm. things I actually look forward to at the end of a game, but it's when somebody takes away the credit of you winning. Okay. That pisses me off. Yeah. I wouldn't even notice it. I don't think it would bother me so much, but I get it. I get what you're saying. All right. Thank you. You finally understand me. That's good. Mm -hmm. All right. So I put down asking the same question during the entire game. Okay. How many times... How many times do you have? How many times can they ask a question? Is it like the third time that bothers you? No, it's it's I I don't I can't give you I am not going to give you a specific number. I'm not saying you can. I'm not saying you can't ask me the same question multiple times. I have no qualms with that. But I'm going to give you an example. Ticket to ride. Okay, on your turn, you have three things you can choose. You can either draw cards. You can either lay trains, mm-hmm. or you can acquire new tickets. Yep. Right? Those are the three things you can do. If we are 95% of the way done and somebody puts their last train down and triggers the end of the game and it comes back to you and they say, all right, so what can I do on my turn again? I'm done. Like I'm over. And the fact that you've asked me that every single time it's your turn, I'm no. Like just you. I can't even imagine a scenario of anybody anybody ever doing that. It's happened to me. How, it is like every single to me. time on their turn they ask you what they can do. Just to, yeah, just pretty much, yeah. I've never it had drives that me nuts. Yeah, well, lucky for you, I guess. Maybe I just explain things good. No, that's no, you don't, because I've sat during your rule teaches. I usually try to uh, if I know you're teaching a game, I try to read the rule book beforehand so I know how to play. <laughs> See, <laughs> see, look at one last thing I have to do. I'm just kidding. I don't actually do that. It uh no, <laughs> but Jeremy that's does. the thing. He, while I'm teaching the game, he silently grabs the rule book and he opens it and just starts reading it. Well, <laughs> he wants to pick out all the mistakes you're gonna do. That's fine. You don't have a person like Phil who knows the game in and out and is telling you how to like redo Skull King. Yeah. It's one of those things that as a te- as somebody who teaches, I understand people are gonna have questions and I'm fine with that. But there gets to be a point where if you're continuously ans- asking me the same question again, 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 then either I'm not explaining it correctly. And at that point, asking me again is not going to change the way I explain it. So you might as well ask somebody else or you're simply just not paying attention enough. Hmm. I think that's what it boils down to. It doesn't bother me when people ask the same question over and over again, because I get that it takes a little bit to stick, especially if they're learning a lot. It can be a lot. So that wouldn't bother me so much. I've never had a situation where I felt like somebody asked the same question too many times. I suppose that would get annoying. But I think at that point, it's the person. And it's probably best just to not play games, like complex games with them. We'll keep it it real simple with some party games. Well, even sometimes the simple games I have to explain for 8 million. It just, ugh. I don't know. It drives me crazy. It's that's probably I. I for me, it's a seven. I would say for sure. Mm-hmm. For me, it'd be like a two. So if we're not playing together and you have questions to ask, you can ask me. Don't ask Bob. Yeah, don't ask me. I'll tell you, and then I, if I don't know the answer, I'll just make it up. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Just say it with confidence. All right. I allow people to ask me the same question five times. There five times. That's a lot. 
that's a hard lot. limit. Hard limit of five. That's what I'm saying. It's I, that's the thing. It's when it's an egregious amount of asking me the same question. That would be annoying. I just I just don't believe you that somebody's doing that to you. Oh, you just you just pay attention. I could. I'm not going to mention names <laughs> during a recording of this podcast. But afterwards, I will text you specific people who do that to me. <laughs> just get, you'll know, and you'll be like, "Oh yeah, I guess." And you're, but you're too busy thinking about your turns to yeah, feel my pain. Okay. Yeah. Not all right. Let's move on. Okay. Not caring about the game. Oh, that bugs me. That's like a nine out of ten. I I don't want to play with people who don't care. <laughs> I'd rather I- we watch a movie together. Then, if you don't care about board games. Don't make me suffer through playing with you. <laughs> I, it doesn't actually, it's surprisingly enough, it does not bother me as much as I th- would think it would. Like, I don't, I enjoy playing competitively against people. I think that's one of the, you and I tend to be somewhat competitive when we play these games. So it's, it's nice that way. But we have friends who are there for more of the social aspect than they are for the gameplay aspect. Mm-hmm. And I have just as much fun playing games with them, but I'm approaching the game differently. It's not like, for example, when we play Scythe, I'm out to beat you. Mm-hmm. That is my mission in that game. I am here to beat Natasha. Yeah, and, and I I'm, love that. And I'm successful maybe like 40% of the time. Whereas mm-hmm. if I'm playing a game with some of our other friends, then I approach it in a way of, okay, this is more going to be slightly more casual, which is fine with me because then I then I can just take fast turns. And just, you know, hang out. So I don't think it's that, for me, it's not that big. It's not of a deal. Egregious. You know, if you, especially if you know going into the game that it's going to be a casual game and that they don't care about it. But there's just this certain attitude, well, I don't really care anyways. So whatever. Like if you're like teaching somebody the game and then like they've kind of given up and like, I don't really care. I'm like, yeah, but if you do this, you'll actually get some points, you know. But like, no, nah, I don't care. Uh, like, that's what bugs me. I know what I've, I, okay. I, I know what you're saying. Cause I've seen that happen where somebody's just like in the middle of the game, completely done. They're just out of it. They don't even mm-hmm. care about the game anymore. They're like, eh, whatever. I'm just going to do this thing. And they end up some ways king making or screwing you over because it's hard to play when you can't, like, you know, when somebody's going to make an, you anticipate them making this move because it's optimal for them and they don't do it. So it throws the whole thing off. And if you're doing that intentionally to throw me off, by all means, go for it. And I've played with a lot of people that are just not super competitive. Um, Like like our friend Marty, he's not really strongly competitive. He's happy to play no matter, you know, he's not out to to win every single time. That's not his goal. His goal is to have fun. And I love playing with him. So fun. You don't have to be super competitive. That's not what I mean. What I mean is like actively not caring about the game. At that point, I'll pick the game up. And be like, all right, are you kind of sick of this? Let's just be done. And and that that happens, and I'm fine with that. We don't have to finish the game if we're not having fun. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that definitely is. I yeah, I agree. That would be a pet peeve of mine too, for sure. Mm-hmm. We haven't really rated. You want to rate that one? I don't feel like we've been rating him okay. <laughs> the last few uh, weeks. Like, this bugs me like eight out of ten. Uh, even right. ten out of ten. Like I w- I will pack up a game and be done. I will say seven out of ten. Uh, based on what you said. All right. We're going to do two more. Okay. First one, being on your phone. Um, It depends. If you are still engaged in the game and paying attention, I don't care. As long as you're like, no, when it's your turn, you set your phone down, you take your turn, you come back, you know what's going on, you can you can seem to pay attention to your phone and the game at the same time, by all means, set on your phone, I don't care. But if you're like, oh, is it my turn? No, then you need to stop. The on the phone thing is difficult because I'll take sometimes I'll take pictures or you know I'll try to post to Instagram which I'm really bad at or these types of things so usually I'll be on my phone when I'm doing that so I often apologize say hey sorry I'm you know I'm I'm posting to the gram whatever mm-hmm. but generally speaking if I'm playing a game very rarely am I trying to be on my phone and yeah. I think there's a certain level of people like doing, you know, doing a couple things is if they send a quick text and sit it down. But as soon as like a video starts going, it just, I don't you know. Watch just kinda... your phone. Yeah. Here's the thing. I love to play games because I love to play games, but I also enjoy hanging out with the people. And part of the experience is being with the people. So even if on your, t- I, I enjoy having small talk conversations. I want it's not my turn. 
you know, talking with a group and that type of thing. And when somebody's on their phone, they're limiting their uh, conversations with the people at the table. So yeah, picking up your phone, taking care of a few things, that's no problem. You know, once a turn even, pick it up, do something, set it back down. But it is nice to to play with other people and have to get to know people and to become friends. And you need to like be off your phone to do that most of the time. Yeah. So I would I say would if they were continuously on their phone, that would bother me. Like I wouldn't enjoy playing with that person because then it's just a hundred percent about the game. You know, assuming that they're actively paying attention and not letting the phone interrupt their turns, I'd still rather them like you know, have conversation with them in between their turns. So I would say that would bug me at like seven out of 10. Yeah, I'm going to say a six. It would it would depend on the level of phone interaction. All right, the last one, probably the most controversial between the two of us. Okay. Uh, it's going to be phrased as the following. <laughs> Eating dirty food. Well, zero out of 10. <laughs> I, know, I know what you mean. Like, you're, I'm assuming 10 like out of 10 crummy, for me. 10 out of 10. Um, crummy. Like things that are going to get like uh, uh flavor mix on it, you know, like a Cheetos, yeah. you know, type of stuff. Cheetos are the uh, most infamous one. Yes. Yeah. They're yeah. The, um, they're the top I would say tier. zero out of 10 because if people get food on my game, I just like wipe it off. No big deal. And if it doesn't yeah, wipe off, it, like if you you spill something on my game, looks like you're, you're eating like um not, uh, nacho cheese, you're spilling it on my game and now it's stained my card or my board. Now, every time I look at that game, I'm going to think about that game. And how um, we had so much fun playing it. You weren't even paying attention. You ruined my game. You spilled this nachos on it. Like that just to me like brings life and heart to my game with stories. And I love those. I love worn out things that have have a lot of love. And if you're going to stain my game, that's going to be a little piece of you on my game that I'll remember forever. And I love that. So go ahead. Spill on my game. Don't bother me. I am like the exact opposite of that that thinking. I... No, if it, I, there's not very often where I tell people they can't eat something at my table. All right. I'm not that guy that's just like, hey, you can't have that here. I'm not going to do that. But you want okay? to be that guy. Deep down inside, yes. Deep down inside, if somebody's just like, hey, guys, game night brought Cheetos, I'm going to be like, you jerk. Really? Of all the foods you, like, you were in the, like, snack aisle and you thought to yourself, you know what? You know what we should bring? Cheetos? Bro, grab some, like, like some cashews or something like what's with the Cheeto situation. I mean, bro, come on now. Mm-mm. But you know, that, that said, I, t- I'm not going to tell somebody, no, you can't, you can't have that here or whatever. Same thing. You're as, not you going know, drinks. to, but you, it's going to bug Deep you. Deep down inside. It to. drives me. It drives me crazy. If I can't take a bite of my food and then just kind of like, slowly do the like guy rub on the pants thing you know just a little little quick on the the old shirt and get my hands clean to fan out my cards it doesn't belong at my table so for me that's right oh eh, probably 10 out of 10 maybe i mean because i'm neurotic that way but hey it is is. (laughs) i'm gonna own that and it's fine you come over, you take your gla- your iced tea, set it right on top of Ticket's ride board, leave me a little mark behind. That's your mark on my game. Every time I see it, I'll think about that time we played that game together, and that would just bring more life to my game. I love it. Now, for if you ever come over to my house and take your iced tea and put it on my Ticket to Ride board and like get a ring on it, you probably won't be coming back to my house ever again. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I solve that problem. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deal with that at all. So it, it, it's funny you bring up like my neurotic behaviors about stuff. I was I was looking at something I was reading I can't remember I was on Board Game Geek on one of the forums and something came up about being boxes putting the top on the box upside down. Oh yeah, so I, <laughs> that bugs you guys. Some of you guys, you're not the only one that it bugs. Oh yeah, I'm not the only one. That's that is not. I am not the only one that that bugs. But I definitely, when I get my game back, I definitely look at the bottom to make sure that that the box top is sitting. And when I get a new one and shrink, oh boy, if those things aren't aren't aligned, like what are you doing? It's a brand new game and shrink. Like you gotta you gotta take care of that from the manufacturer. <laughs> So on your shelf are all your board games, are all your board games facing one direction? Uh, like the way that they're stacked. Oh, wait, your board games aren't stacked vertically, are they? They're stacked horizontally. 
so let's move. I no, I recently changed. No, I recently changed that. So get out of yeah, my yeah. face. I sent you I a picture of it. How I changed that's it. Right. I bet you all your games are facing the right. Like like none of them are like the the right the writing's all facing the same direction. Like none of them are the writing's upside down or. No, why would I do that? Why would anyone do that? What kind of <laughs> what kind of monster would do that? Do you know. do that? I don't know. I have no idea. I have to look at myself probably because I have no idea how my games are stacked. You know, okay. As soon as we're done recording this, you need to go take a picture of your shelf, and I'm going to post it on Instagram when this releases. So whoever's listening to this, you're going to see Natasha's shelf posted on Instagram the day this releases. Okay. I'm going to do that. You need to take that picture, and you need to own that. Okay. I bet you'll, it's be, be you'll be surprised how neat it is. I probably will not think it's neat, but that's besides the point. <laughs> okay. Here's another question for you. How long sure. would you leave a board game sitting on a table? Like, let's say you played a board game with your family and you didn't put it away. Mm-hmm. You left it sitting on a table. Uh, that's a good question. A long time. Because uh, my wife and I are actually playing through the Maracaibo campaign. And I, I'm actually, I'm going to talk about it when we're done. We're almost to that point, but it's been sitting there. We started playing it beginning of June. So it's been there since the beginning of June. Oh, okay. That surprised me. I thought you'd put the games away right away. No, if it's a campaign or legacy game, I'm just going to keep it out. Especially if I'm going to be playing, because I have, I, I'm fortunate enough to have an actual like game table where mm-hmm. I have a recessed play area, but then I have uh, some, t- uh, like a almost like a topper to put on top. So if I ever need to use the table for a different game, I can just put the topper on. So for me, that doesn't bother me having the game sit out for a while. I'm I'm fine with that, especially in a campaign or legacy game. So if you're in the mid, the last thing I want to do is pack it all up and then have to find out where I am with everything else. It's just easier to have everything set up, especially if I'm playing with my wife because we'll play through the campaign. So yeah. honestly, as soon as we're done recording, her and I are probably going to sit down and play a game of it. And then if we play two games today, cool, then whatever. If not, then I'll just leave it set up so we can just sit down and play tomorrow. Yeah. I like to do that too. I like to leave my games out. All right. That's our show for this week. Um, those are our pet peeves. Thanks for listening to our shenanigans. Join us next week where we're going to do another Would You Rather. Please leave us a review and check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Send us your questions to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Have a great week, everybody. See you next week.